As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. An essential is something that is absolutely necessary. So think with me. In mathematics, it is absolutely necessary for me to know the equation that will solve the problem. In economics, it's absolutely necessary for me to know the theories to understand and evaluate the economy. In cooking, it's absolutely necessary for me to know the ingredients of the recipe. In sports, it's absolutely necessary for me to know the rules of the competition to compete in health and beauty. Some would say it's absolutely necessary to take essential oils to maintain what? To maintain your beauty and your fitness and your energy and your boost. Now, I don't know. I'm neither a spokesperson or a satisfied customer. However, I am a spokesperson and a satisfied customer when it comes to Christianity. And in Christianity, I would say this, it's essential for us to know and understand the basic tenets of the faith. Agreed? Well, then what are they? Good question. That's what we're gonna be talking about in this series. If you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. We're gonna take the next several weeks to identify the essential beliefs and practices that will help us to grow in Christ and to help us to share Christ with other people. These are the essentials. You say, well, I already know these things. I'm not sure if I wanna do this. I would say this, what are they? And if you know them, who are the three or four people you've been sharing them with this past week? And silence hit the crowd. I think there can be a lack of understanding of what these things are. And I would suggest to us that we need to not only know them, but we need to sow them to grow in them. Did you hear what I said? We need to know them for ourselves and we need to sow them in the lives of others so that we can experience the growth that God wants. So think of this series, as funny as it sounds, as you going back to school. You're saying, I don't know if I wanna go back to school. Well, you're going to a graduate level degree. At the end of this thing, you're gonna finish with a master's degree in Christianity. So what's our course curriculum? Well, let's put it on the screen. Week number one, that's this week, Christianity 101. And we're gonna talk about following the call. That's the title of the message. And what I'm gonna do is I wanna give you several essential elements of the calling that you need to know and you need to sow to grow. And then next week, we're gonna talk about Christianity 201. That's joining the mission. 
And so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28, which is oftentimes referred to as the Great Commission. And I'm so thankful to announce that we are commissioning two new church works. Can I get an amen? Two awesome opportunities where we're commissioning people out. Pastor John and Amber Hinger that are well-known here along with their core group, as well as Pastor Tim and Tracy Yach, which Tim's going to St. Charles, and John and Amber and their core groups are going out to Hinsdale. And so next week at all of our locations, we're going to celebrate what we're doing. Then, hear me closely, in our syllabus, there's a gap. And so you get an early fall break, but you have to come to church, and you don't want to miss. We're going to take a break from the series, but you're going to hear from a special friend of mine, and I'm not going to say anymore, you are not going to miss that week. Then we're going to come back and hit Christianity 301, sharing the message from Matthew chapter 13, and Jesus tells the story of the parable of the soils. Then the last two weeks, Christianity 401, multiplying the ministry from Matthew chapter 10, which is the sending out text. And then we'll wrap up our series. Pastor Craig will be speaking this weekend, Labor Day weekend, Christianity 501, maximizing the movement. So this is where we're headed. You say, how come we're doing that again? Well, I think the truth is this. I think we know the beliefs but we fail to practice them. And so this fall, we wanna say, man, if you're gonna grow, you need to not only know them, but you gotta sow them in the lives of others. And that's what this series is all about. So let me read from Matthew chapter four and read the text for today. It starts in verse 18, and it says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that's referring to Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen. And so he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, and they were mending their nets. And he called them too. And immediately the text says they left the boat, they left their father, and they followed him. First essential element in following the call is this. Students, if you're taking notes, there will be a quiz. Write down, following the call interrupts the normal routine. That's what it does. It interrupts the normal. And so here in verse 18, we see two brothers We see Simon, who would later be known as Peter, and Andrew, and what are they doing? The text says they're casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Well, they were doing what they always do. They were fishing, and they were catching fish, and they were doing what? They were cleaning fish, and they were selling fish. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You wanna know why? Because they were fishermen, that's what it says. And so they were just doing what they normally always ever had done. Just like us. Up up for work at 6 a.m. Ready for work at 8 a.m. On the job till five. Whether it's in your home office basement or it's at the office someplace or in your car. 
and hopefully home for dinner by 6 p.m. We do it day after day after day. Reminds me of the movie Groundhog's Day. Anybody seen that movie with our own Bill Murray from Chicagoland Native? It's like over and over and over and over. And again, I do the same thing. That, that's what was going on with these guys. Verse 19 says, and he said to them, before we jump to what Jesus said, let's make note of how he said it. There was no lightning bolt. There was no fireworks. There was no earthquake. There was no burning bush. There was nothing like that. He said to him, I don't know if he used the normal everyday like this voice. He was out on the shore and he probably had to call to them, hey guys, follow me. It wasn't that extraordinary. So I like to think of the call like this, that the call to follow is often natural in its expression, but supernatural in its impression. Do you know what I mean by that? By natural in its expression, I mean it could be as common as an everyday language or you just hear it once and sometimes we like to over-spiritualize it and think, well, that couldn't be it. And therefore we miss it. While other times, we can under-spiritualize the call, and we can just think, well, that must have been just the bad pizza I had last night or something. <laughs> and, and what you're doing is you're missing out in the supernaturalness of the impression that God wants to make. Hey, the call of God is natural in its expression, as we see here in the text, but it's supernatural in its impression. I love what Oswald Chambers says about the commonality of the call. Listen as he writes, the call of God is not just for the select few, but for everyone. Let that sink in for a moment. Hey, this is for all. And he writes, whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears and exactly what I hear depends upon my spiritual attitude. So whether the call of God is amplified in your life and in your heart has to do with the condition of your heart and the receptiveness of your ear. It isn't always about the lightning bolt. It isn't always about the burning bush. Here we see these fishermen doing the same old thing day after day, and they receive the call, just like you and me. And I believe that God is still doing it the same exact way. Do you believe me? He's speaking. He's guiding. He's moving. Second essential element of following the call. Well, following the call, it imparts kingdom vision. That's what we see happening here. I mean, there's kingdom vision with this statement, which we've all heard if you've grown up in church, even like me, didn't grow up in church, still, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, class, we're going to take that apart. And so I want to make note of three things. If I had the whiteboard out, that's what I'd do. It's just these are the three things about that one sentence. First, when Jesus says, follow me, it's a personal invitation with a specific ask. He's inviting you into something bigger and better. It's personal, man. And he's got something he wants to ask of you. We can be receptive to the call or not receptive, depending on the condition of our hearts. 
Interestingly, follow me is used, we see it 16 times in the Gospels from Jesus' lips. And so he's saying it quite frequently. That's only 16 times it's recorded. And what was unique about their time is that the historical context reveals that other teachers and rabbis, they would wait for their students to come to them. But Jesus, he, he went out seeking his own. And he didn't go after the five-star recruits. He went after normal, everyday people like you and me. Not the religious ones. Not the ones that had it all together. Not the ones even that were in church on Sunday. He went to everyday normal people like you and me. Second thing about the call, love this, best part. I will. I'm going to do something. As in, you can't do it, man. You can try, but you're going to fail. I'm going to make you into something that you are not. That's what Jesus is saying. Let's embrace the truth that we can't make it happen. Man, dad didn't choose you. God didn't choose you for what you bring to the table. Sometimes we think he did. Well, you got my gifts, my ingenuity. He needs me. He don't need you. He doesn't need me. Got to use proper English when I'm up here instructing the class. He doesn't need any of us. I will do something that you cannot do in yourself, man. I, I mean, that's earth shattering. I'm going to do this. And if you're like me, and like me, I know many of you here as I look at these faces over the years, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I'm trying my best. Hey, don't worry, man. I'm going to do it. You're just along for the ride. It's a divine promise with a strategic purpose. How many people would raise their hands and say, I believe in the promises of God? Well, his promise is he's going to make you a disciple maker. That's what he's saying. When you embrace the call, I'm going to do something that you cannot do in yourself. You're going to be a disciple maker in your family. You're going to be a disciple maker in your home. You're going to be a disciple maker of your friends. You're going to be a disciple maker at work. You're going to be a disciple maker at church. That's the call to Christian life. And we've missed it. I would suggest to you that that is the problem in the church. We're lacking discipleship because we know some things, but we're not sowing some things. Therefore, we're not growing in some things. And we stumble at some of the simple truths of Scripture. Things that we need to know and understand and pass on. Third thing is this. Love this verse. Fishers of men. It's an intern, intentional, excuse me, lifestyle with guaranteed results. That's what he's saying. Hey, I've said this before at our church, but please let me say it again for those who maybe knew, knew if you hear it differently, I, I would suggest to you that uh, this is what I see in the scriptures. All Christians are disciples. Because a disciple is simply a learner and a follower. That's what the Greek word means. But not all disciples are disciple makers. Oh, just threw it down. All Christians are disciples. But not all Christians are making the choice to become disciple makers. And for you, I'm telling you, man, you're missing out on the best part. And that's how we're to grow the kingdom. Because you have influence, I have influence in different areas. It's an intentional lifestyle that we're called to lead. I, I don't know how, man. I, I, just, I just wish somebody would set the ball up on the tee for me and I would just take a swing. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. 
our team. I got Amy here and I've got um, Pastor Craig. And man, let's give it up for our team. We got an awesome team here at our church. And some of you know Amy Martin. She works with all of our locations and Pastor Craig works with all of our pastors. And our team has been busting their tails this summer. And they're going to present to you at all of our locations what they call LEAD 101. LEAD 101 is all about this, an intentional lifestyle with guaranteed results. It's about how do you become not only a disciple, but a disciple maker in your home, in your family, at work, and here at church. And I'm so thankful. I read through this. It's, it's awesome. We got, I don't know, I don't know, about 80 people signed up so far. It's going, to lead to lead, it's going to lead to lead 201. I don't know if they did this on purpose, but that's what it's going to lead to. And 301. And 401. Is there a 501? Is there? There is now. And 501. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we're just, we're just trying to equip you and train you because if you know this stuff, you've got to sow this stuff if you want to grow in this stuff. That is the secret to the Christian life. And so, this is the calling that God has given. Next essential element to what? To following the call. Well, following the call, it, it demands immediate action. And so what I love about this text is that these guys left the known for the unknown. They left the natural for the supernatural. But what always is amazes me, it, it says in verse 20 that they immediately they dropped their nets. Immediately, they, man, they left their nets, they left everything, and they, and they followed him. And so, note to self, I'm not asking you to quit your job Monday to be in class here today. But I am asking you to drop some nets, maybe some things that are known for the unknown, so that you can fulfill the calling that God has placed on your life. Hey, what nets should I drop? I'm going to give you a few suggestions. The first one is this, drop the net of what others think of you and want from you. I mean, that's a really important thing. I mean, can you imagine for a moment what must have happened with their dads in the text? We've read the story and the fathers are like, what do you mean you're leaving? This is the family business. I got my retirement on you working while I have a condo in Florida. I mean, that's what's going on. I just put the down payment on the place in Phoenix. Get back here. I mean, that is exactly what we see. Isn't it true that some people have expectations of you that may be good or bad, well-placed or misplaced? And all I'm saying is these guys didn't let anybody other, anyone else's expectations but God's push them forward. Give you another net to drop. How about the net of what is good but not great or better but not best? Think about that for a moment little tongue twister in school today, that what's good but not great, but better but not best. I, what I mean by that is this, that I think sometimes we get in a rut. I think sometimes we get stuck. I think sometimes we settle for things. And we don't swing for the fences. And I don't know about you, this is a passage all about swinging for the fences. And I think sometimes in our lives, whether it's our careers or our jobs or what we believe we can and cannot do, or even in our relationships, we settle for second best. 
And these guys aren't doing it. They left a good thing for a great thing. They left the best thing that they had going for an even better thing. And, and they didn't even know what was ahead. Third net to drop. Then out of fear and failure. Now, the nets that are talked about in this text, interestingly enough, there are two kinds of nets. One was circular, which was used for shallower water that was 15 feet in diameter. The other one was rectangular, and it was quite a bit larger. It was used for deeper water. It was actually 300 feet, if you can imagine that, by eight feet. So those two nets, depending on what you're using, I mean, they get tangled up, like they could tangle them up. And if the guys didn't know what they were doing, then they could miss out on the biggest catch of the day. Can I suggest to you that our fears and failures are just like those nets? And they can tangle us up. And they can tangle us up so that we can miss out on the biggest catch of our lives. And they can put us in a place where we don't react and we don't respond and we don't step up. These guys stepped out in faith. And they didn't let fear prohibit them. They didn't let what other people thought prohibit them. They, they didn't let past failure prohibit them. I mean, that's what we see happening. Next net to drop. We got a couple more. Making sense today? The net of the temporal versus the eternal. And so I think these guys just had to ask themselves this question. Am I spending all my time, my talents, and my treasures to build my kingdom with the small k? Or am I investing my time, my talents, and treasures in building God's kingdom with the capital K? He was asking them to think eternally. That's not just temporally. And I believe he asks the very same thing of us. And so the last net that we need to drop is what? The net that feeds the flesh, but not the spirit. Now this could be taken in a lot of ways. And, and what I mean by that is there's some of us in here that the call of God has been quieted it's been turned down to the point of deafening and you can't hear because you're doing some things that are contrary to the clear teaching of God's word. I don't know how any other way to say it. I, I, it's just like you can't hear God because you're entrenched in things that he does not desire. And other people, I mean, it's like the call gets amplified when you do what God wants you to do and you experience his blessing, it's like it's a megaphone, and it amplifies what he wants, what he expects, the next step, what he desires. And, and so I just don't want any of us in this season of life to, to miss out because we don't drop a gnat. And what I think happens in the church and with each of us as we're coming back to church I think what happens is, is that we don't think that what we do and the decisions that we make have an impact on others around us. And I'm telling you, they do. Because I see it in the text. Because first it's Peter and John. And, and then, and excuse me, Andrew. And then it's James and John. You don't think that the first two had influence on the second two? 
as Team Jesus is forming, that's the next essential element. That when following the call, following the call, it attracts other people's attention. I mean, it's going to draw some people in. Or it could draw some people away. In verse 21, we see it drawing two guys in, James and John. And again, I, their dad must be thinking to themselves, no, that hippie's back. Do not quit your job like those other two and follow him. Dang, you gotta change the sign. Zebedee and sons no longer. I mean, that's what he was thinking. Do you you think that the first two's decision impacted the next two and even possibly the dad? In a good, maybe a bad way, I don't know. All I know is this, as I look at this crowd and those in the balcony, there's some of you I know very well and some of you I don't, I'm getting to know. And maybe you've heard this story, forgive me if you have, but I remember when I quit my job to go into full-time ministry and Jody's mom was the only one of our four parents that were supportive. The rest, what? I'll never forget going home to Cleveland, Ohio, sitting around the kitchen table, and I knew my parents were not going to be happy with this decision at all. I walked in, we got around the table, and we started explaining what was going on, and my mom looked at Jody, and I kid you not, and she looked at her, and she started apologizing. She said to Jody, I'm so sorry. We didn't raise him like this. Please forgive us. We did not raise him like this. And, and then Jody's like, whoa, 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 hold on. And, and she said, I, I, I'm going to agree. I, I believe he should be doing this. And, and then she uses the opportunity because my parents don't know Christ and they're not following the call. And so she opens up the Bible and she starts saying, well, you know, this. And, and she's sharing scriptures and passages with them. And then I'll never forget it. My mom looks at me and she bumps me and said, she ought to be the one going to seminary, not you. As I thought about that conversation, I think she was right. Because <laughs> she's pretty smart and pretty influential. And I, I don't know if the two dads ever got on board, if they ever like, were supportive. I, text doesn't say. All I know is this, five years later, my parents accepted the call. And they, to their best ability and knowledge with what was going on in their life and the religious background they had, man, they followed Jesus. See, our decisions have impact on the other people around us. Do you agree? And so that's the point of this series is that, man, there's some things that we know. And we've got to not only sow them in others, but we've got to show them to others. Man, am I rhyming today so that we can grow in them. That's the point. And and that's what this series is about. And and I think that's been a failure in the church. And so, yes, we're getting back to the basics. And just like any time, I mean, a former basketball player, loved athletics, and if I'm missing the shots, I just get back to the fundamentals, and I got to do this, and I've got to follow back to the basics to rein them in, so so that you can achieve the fruitfulness that God desires. And your life 
can count for something greater than you think it can. So the last thing about the call, it, the call reorients personal priorities. And so you can think about this for a moment. You know, many of you know the story of what these men did and what they would go on to do and the failures and the setbacks and the pushback and the difficulty. And each of those instances, that they had to reorient themselves and their priorities for what was important and where were they going to go. And I would suggest to you that we need to do the same thing. That's what we're doing this August. We just want to reorient you to the calling that God has placed on your life. And, and we want to see you flourish it, man. And we're just willing to do anything we can to help feed that. Because that's the best way we believe we can help you to become a mature disciple who believes, belongs, and becomes like Jesus. That's our goal. No secret agenda. But as I study this passage, I, I look at verse 22, and, and again, here we see two, immediately they left. And they left their dad and they followed after Jesus. And it says it in verse 20, immediately they left. and They dropped their nets and I don't know if I'm, I'm really honest. I mean, I, I stand up here each week and I'm so thankful to be back after a break in July, but I, I, I oftentimes have thought to myself, I, I wish I was more like them. That, that, that I, don't, I don't have the same faith like that. that. That I don't always see myself responding immediately to what God wants. And, and it just, it takes me more time and I often have a setback and I'm not sure and it's just not as immediate as I want it to be. But let me share with you something I learned many years ago. I studied what's called the Harmony of the Gospels. And this is a book I would suggest it to you to have it on your shelf in your library, that it shows the time frame chronologically of the Gospels. And although it says in the text that they responded immediately, their immediate response may not be exactly what you're thinking. Because for Andrew and Peter, they hadn't met Jesus before. They met him three months prior. That's in John chapter one. And so they met him and they didn't follow him immediately. They went back to their normal routine. They went back to their everyday life. And what did they do? They just did the same old thing over and over. And I wonder in my heart, I wonder if they thought to themselves, man, if we get it a second chance, we're going after it. Man, if we see if that Jesus comes back, I mean, we're not messing around this time. There's no question in my mind. We're going after it. Nothing's going to stop him. Will he come back? That gives me some hope. Does it give you some hope? That oftentimes, man, it's like I don't respond immediately, but what this text reveals is that our God is a God of second chances. Isn't that awesome? Our God doesn't matter about your failures, about your past, about what you did before, about what you're doing now, that he always gives us the chance to follow him. And just as these guys responded, I want us to respond. So I'm gonna just ask you to bow your heads with me. And as the worship team comes forward and we begin this series, I... I just let me just reduce this whole message to one simple question. Are you following the call? I, I mean, that's it. That's what this is about. That's what the text is talking about. That's 
what these guys modeled for us. And, and I know many, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I know many would say, yeah, man, we're in, we're going. Well, if that's you, then come back next week for 201. It's a prerequisite, 101 is, and bring your number two sharpened pencil, two of them, because there will be a test. And in all seriousness, I, man, you're ready to keep going. But I wonder if there's some in the quietness of your heart, I, you wonder if you've really ever responded to the call or, or even you'd be so honest to admit to yourself that, that I, I don't know if I've ever really heard it. Or maybe you've responded in the past and you, you just walked a different way. If that's you, I just want to give you the opportunity now as the worship team begins to sing. I, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the call. And so don't hear me, hear God, let his voice speak. As he's calling out, I believe still, follow me and I will do some things in you that you cannot do yourself. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. Follow me and I have a greater calling and a greater impact. And all we need to do is make the choice to put the stake in the ground, to re-up again, to say, God, I choose to follow you. And so, allow this time to let the Lord speak to your heart so that you will respond in affirmation that, yes, I will follow him. 